beloved saints of God, the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reading Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 9. And I heard something like, like a voice of a multitudinous crowd, and like the voice of cascading waters, and like the voice of loud thunder crashes, saying, Hallelujah! Because the Lord God, the Almighty, has taken his reign. Let us rejoice and let us celebrate and let us give glory to him. Because the marriage feast of the Lamb has come and the bride has prepared herself and is given to her that she should be clothed about in fine, pure white linen. And the linen are the righteous actions of the saints. Now to give an Old Testament background to this, let me read verse 5 of Isaiah 62. And then Hosea chapter 2, verse 16, and verses 19 and 20. Listen to this. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And then Hosea. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. I will betroth you to me forever, says the Lord. I will betroth you in righteousness and in justice. In love and in compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will always acknowledge me as your Lord. This is awesome, isn't it? That God should desire and want us to be his bride. On a human level, there's no, there's no relationship more intimate than a faithful husband and wife. And God wants to have, through the Messiah, such a personal relationship with you with me. He wants us to know that we are his bride, and we are his husband. How do we relate to this? Well, first off, how do we become his bride? Because we're worthy? Oh, my God, no. We're filthy. We're rotten. We're hateful. You read Hosea chapter 2, the whole chapter, and God is so angry at his people. They're committing idolatry, adultery, theft, all kinds of sins in heart and deed. He can hardly stand them. It's so with you and me. We could never earn any right to be holy, a holy bride before God himself. I was not even righteous to be a, the groom of my own wife, let alone the bride of Christ. And yet, despite our sins, despite the fact he couldn't even, he loves us and wants us to become his bride and chose us to become his bride. Well, how do we become his bride? Well, as you may know, many years ago, families would arrange the marriages, wouldn't they? The father of a son, the father of a daughter. The two fathers, they get together and promise the daughter and son to each other as future husband and wife. But to seal that, the father oftentimes had to give a bridal price to the father of the daughter. And that price could sometimes be quite hefty. The moment that was done, the two fathers began to declare they are engaged to each other. My daughter is the bride of his son. My son is the groom of his daughter, and they'd make it known and publicly known. But they wouldn't come together as husband and wife until the date set by the two fathers, a great wedding feast. And then at wedding feast, they would be joined together, husband and wife, and then from then on live together like that. How did we become the bride of God, the bride of our Lord Christ? By our heavenly father praying a terribly hefty bridal price. You know what it was, don't you? The life of his son. He had to give his son to live a humble life here as a man. And his son, under the thought of father, did that. 
He kept the law for us, which we can't do. He created righteousness that he bestows upon us. But in particular, God paid the price of his son's death on the cross, where he suffered hell, God's judgment, death, which forsakenness of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a horrible price that God paid, brighter price, so that we could become his bride. And we just stand in awe. That you should love us that much, O Lord, when we deserve to go to hell, you sent your son in our place. And his resurrection demonstrates to us that the payment to make us to be a bride was sufficient. How do we react to this? Go back to the human bride and son, groom. The moment that the father paid a hefty, whatever, bridal price to the father of the, of the daughter, they'd be engaged, so forth. From that moment on, the bride would begin to create and make her wedding garment. And it became publicly known whenever she went out. Don't you touch me. I belong to him. He is my groom. And people would respect that. Then the date that was set, the father would lead his daughter, the bride, and the mother, and go to the house usually of the father, of the son, the groom. She dressed in her wonderful wedding garment, and he would present her to the father and his son in a tremendous wedding feast. How do we react to this? Being a bride of God, bride of Jesus Christ, by creating our wedding garment. And what is that? Ever since we came to be known, and we knew it by faith in Jesus as our Savior, we were the bride of God, the bride of his son Christ. We began to make a wedding garment. What do you mean? What do I mean? We began to live such a life of holiness and dedication to our Lord that we declared to everyone, I belong to him. Don't you touch me. I belong to him. He is my husband. He is my Lord, my King, my Savior, my Heavenly Father. And I belong to him as his bride. By the works we do, showing how much Jesus means to us, glorifying him in our public life, whatever our vocation is, helping people when they're hungry, when they're thirsty, when they're sick, doing everything we can to aid them so that we can witness to them how Christ died for them on the cross, urging them to repent and come to Jesus that they also be a bride of God. And this bridal garment, in a very humble way, under Christ, we thank God for. And we love to display it to others. We love to tell people by the way we act and by what we say, we belong to him. Would you come and also come to him? The marriage feast has not yet happened, right? We long for it. We look forward to it. We have all the hope that we know that we will be declared as God's bride when our Lord Christ comes at the end. The resurrection, the judgment, the new earth. He will welcome us as his bride and declare publicly These are my bride, individually and collectively. And we will rejoice in a great wedding feast. Oh, and in this hope we live, don't we? By our faith in Jesus as our Savior. And we can have the assurance that God will never divorce you or me. No matter what we do, no matter how often we're faithless to him, and we certainly are, oh God, forgive me. He will never divorce us. He'll never deny us. He'll never be unfaithful to us. Now, we can walk away from him to our own death. But he will never say that. We are his bride. He honors us. Because he has betrothed us to himself through what Jesus did. He's betrothed us to himself in the righteousness that Christ gives to us. 
He's betrothed this to himself, to his son, by means of the blood that Christ shed for us on the cross. He's betrothed us to himself by his faithfulness, his righteousness, his grace, and by the death and resurrection. He has betrothed us to him to be his bride. And he will never forsake us, no matter how angry he becomes at us for our sins. He will always honor us as his bride. And so as we wait for that wonderful day, may it come soon, as John says to any revelation. Come today, Lord. Come now. But whenever that is, we look in hope for that wonderful wedding banquet feast of the Lamb. And let us each day rejoice in that and sing the great Te Deum in our heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.